0: You're welcome to our in Jesus' name. You know, it's not every help that turns out to be helpful. There are, <laughs> God must just help us that we will not go and solicit help where there is no help. Was it King Amaziah or so that... <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. I've been going through the kings of Israel, and it's, it's, it's an interesting setup. You, you ask God to help you against your enemy. God helped you. You destroyed your enemy. When you were leaving your enemy's house, you took your enemy's gods and brought them back home and started worshipping those gods instead of your own god. Make it make sense. If your god, if their god was powerful enough, you would not have destroyed them. But, you know, that's the thing. When men choose Things that are not God the, the what you will settle for if you don't choose God is foolishness write it down anytime you don't choose God what you would eventually settle for will be foolishness it doesn't matter how intelligent it sounds to you now It doesn't matter how much wisdom you think it is in it. If it is not God, it would eventually be foolishness. You can make all the plans you want and it makes sense. And you've done the calculations that if I do it this way and I do it this way and I do it this way, this is how it's going to turn out. But many times, men don't... You, what, the things you cannot legislate for, you cannot legislate for, for what God will do. You cannot legislate for what the devil will do. You cannot legislate for what men will do. You know, uh, a, a testimony that one of us was sharing one time that dad said to her and said, go to that man, let him sign your documents. And she was saying... I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. And that will say, go to that man. You need him to sign documents. Take the documents to the office and let him sign it. And she will say, well, he's not going anywhere, so it's not a problem. Eventually, was it a Friday? Eventually, she went on a Friday to get the documents signed. By Monday, the man was dead. And how long would it have taken for them to replace the man so that... Do you now have somebody qualified to sign those documents again? Maybe it takes three months, maybe it takes six months, maybe it takes one year. You don't know, but it, it, if if that those documents were not signed on Monday on Friday, you would have had serious issues by Monday. So we can make all the plans we want. They can be, they, there can be common sense in those plans. There can be reasonable. Like okay, this is reasonable. This is the. It's just, it's just human wisdom, this is what you do. But your human wisdom never takes into account what Satan will do, what fellow human beings will do. You know, there are people that they have no problem with you now. It is the day that they realize that there is a chance of you surpassing them, that they will realize they don't like you that much anyway they might be neutral to you now but there are things that would happen that even people that would normally be neutral to you suddenly be like is it only you? Are you the only person on this planet? Why is it that you want to keep you understand why do you think why do you think you qualify to keep climbing? And at those at points like that if you started on that journey by your human wisdom you have put yourself at a disadvantage. So as a child of God I'll say it again, if it is not God, no matter how brilliant your plan is, it is foolishness. Hallelujah. So we've been looking at Faithful Witness for this is Sunday number four now. Again, welcome to church and those online, those of you that had to turn back home, apologies, but sometimes you to go and buy cars and start driving. <laughs> eh? <laughs> At least you would have a reason. At least it's in your control if you are stuck in traffic, or oh, maybe not. But anyway, you understand what I mean. I was just joking anyway. God bless everybody. So first Kings chapter eighteen. There is a there's an interesting story in First Kings chapter eighteen from verse thirty. Elijah said unto the people, Come near unto me. Because of time, I'm not going to fully read it. And many of us know the story anyway. Elijah had been troubling the country. If you read from the beginning, it's it's such an interesting conversation that... (laughs) One of the parts that gets me is the conversation between Ahab and Obadiah in that story. So Ahab says... You Abadiah, you go this way, let's go try to find Pasture, so Ahab went this way, Obadiah went this way, and then prophet Elijah met Abadiah and said, "Hey, where's your master? Tell him I'm going to appear to him today and obadiah said, uh-uh, i didn't know you hate me this much, because there is no city where my master, talking of Ahab has not had not sent people to look for you. You know it was Elijah that went to the king and said. According to my word, there will be no rain, there will be no dew. But you know, they didn't take him seriously. Because if they took him seriously, they would not have let him go. They would have arrested him and jailed him. But when he said it, they are like, get out of here. Don't forget that this Ahab at that point was married to Jezebel. So, they are, and they had prophets of Baal and all. So, they, are, they, they were confident in the things they were doing. So, when Elijah said, there will be no rain according to my word. I'm not going to get out of here, you this old man that lives in the desert. Maybe he probably looked like a madman to them. Anyway, until uh, first month, no rain. Second month, no rain. Six months, no rain. And at that point, they said, okay, let's go and look for this man that's been troubling us. That's why Badiah was saying that there is no place that the king had not sent to go and look for you. But they didn't find you. you, know, and you know, but you know it was God that was hiding him. At some point, God hid him at the brook of Cherith. You know God is so powerful. Probably when Elijah was at the brook of Cherith was when the soldiers that Ahab sent had gone through Zarephath looking for him. And so now that they were gone, God now said, okay, pack your bags from the brook now. Now go to that widow in Zarephath whoever was already looking for Elijah all the soldiers looking for him at that point had already checked that place, he was not there so they had gone to the next city but here was now Elijah coming to Zarephath and then spending time there until God came to him and said now go and show yourself to Ab again so now in this passage he's showing himself to Ahab and by that I said there's no way my master has not looked for you if, and he didn't find you so now if I go and tell him that you said you are here and then the Spirit of the Lord will carry you somewhere, and nobody will find you, and my master will kill me. Uh, Didn't they tell you I'm a good man? When when Jezebel was slaying the prophets, I took 100 of them and hid them in caves and was feeding them. So he was trying to give Elijah reasons why he didn't didn't feel he deserved to die. (laughs) So, So Elijah said, no, don't worry, I'll actually show myself to the king today. It also means that that all appearing and disappearing thing was regular for Elijah. Everybody knew that that man was just, the spirit was just carrying him. And that's why even when the chariot of, of fire came and the whirlwind carried him of the sons of Israel said, let's go and look for him. Maybe the spirit just took him to one mountain because it was normal for the spirit to just be transporting Elijah up and down. And Elijah said, No, today I'm actually going to show myself to the king. And then he said to the king, Read the story. Ahab was such a, a, a gullible human being. Proverbs Elijah would say, Go and do this. You go and do this. Jezebel would say, Go and do this. You go and do it. They were just, it was just, he was king, but it was just a. You, I don't even know the word for it, but it was just, it was that gullible. When you don't stand for anything, you will fall for everything. Every, this one will slap you, here you go, way. I will slap you and send you back with you. Everything will look good to you. You know, if if, if somebody says to you, um, meet me in, you're in Farringdon," and the person says, meet me in St. Pancreas, and you've decided I'm not going to use a map and I'm going to walk, And you don't know the way you know you get a junction that everywhere will look like where you are going because you you get a five-way junction and every direction looks like a potential way but there is only one way but because there is no guidance you've not taken guidance you will have troubles getting to st Pancras. you might eventually get there but you will suffer more than you should. Anyway, so now, if, I'm, I'm just summarizing the chapter because of time. So now, they get two bullocks. They handed one to the prophets of Baal, handed one to Elijah, and said, and Elijah said, call upon your God, the God that answers by fire. Let him be God. And then the prophets of Baal started. And one thing you should know is that the prophets of Baal are not idiots if they could not call down fire they would not be trying it in fact one of the things that one of the things they were known for was that they could command fire so if they came to us and said Baal, and you said no they had the ability to call down fire and set you on fire and your whole family so so calling fire was something that the prophets of Baal did they've done before And so they started from mourning, Baal, hear us, Baal, hear us, this, this, and this. At some point, they upgraded their sacrifice. Number one, they were first shouting and praying. Bible says it got to a point they started cutting themselves with knives. Now they've elevated their sacrifice. And that's a lesson to us, actually, that it doesn't matter a level of sacrifice that you can always upgrade your kind of sacrifice the highest sacrifice is is blood the blood of jesus but they also lead two things so on a scale of sacrifice your time your money your wisdom your intellect your submission and all of these things are levels of sacrifice and so they started to cut themselves cut themselves of course Bald the day and saturday that that's why <laughs> Prophet elijah said shout louder maybe he's sleeping Maybe he's, he's, he's in a, on a journey. Maybe he's in a meeting. You understand? Eventually nothing happened. So of course, now it was a stone. And then you start to see from verse 30, it says, And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near, and they repaired the altar that was broken down. If you study that place, it says he repaired the altar, and then he took 12 stones symbolizing the 12 tribes of Israel and constructed an altar. And after that, what does he do? He put the wood, he put cut the bullock in, pra- in pieces. Basically, he started to re- he started to do the exact same thing that the kings that the Lord had commanded the priests to do. He started to reenact that procedure. There is a way around the altar. If you go and read the story of, uh, the, of, of, of Sennacherib, when he wanted to invade Israel, one of the things he was saying is, you people, you've remo- which God will save you? You've removed all the, all the altars and left only one. So in his own mind, he felt that it is, was in the multiplicity of altars that the strength of their God was, not knowing that God placed his altar in only one place. So that singular altar to Sinacherub was a weakness, whereas that singular altar was actually a demonstration of the fidelity of the children of Israel to God. So he completely misjudged that situation, and he paid... For it with the angel of the Lord coming and killing one hundred and eighty-five thousand of his soldiers in one night and his own children now killing him afterwards. Anyway, there is a way around the altar. And Elijah knew that. And because he knew that, you see the way he started to go about it. Everybody come together. Now twelve stones for each tribe, then put the wood, then put the bull cut the bullock, and then put it on it and then pour, what else did he pour? Then he poured um, water. He said, told him to pour water three times. They poured all the water, and then he said, he started to pray. And if you see the prayer he prayed, he said, Lord, in verse 36, and it came to pass at the offering of the evening sacrifice. Note the time, evening sacrifice, the same time that they would normally have been making sacrifice at the altar in Jerusalem if they were actually following God. So it was at that point that he started to to say Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant, that I have done all these things at thy word. Verse 37. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that these people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou thou art turned their hearts back again verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. Listen. The fire of the Lord fell, consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stone, the dust, and leaked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord he is God. The Lord he is God. The end of true witnessing is that men turn to God and say, the Lord is God. You understand? That is the goal of true witnessing, that men turn to God and acknowledge that God is God. That is all the discussion about faithful witnessing is that we get to a point in our lives where when we introduce God to people, we 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 the effect or the result of that introduction is that men turn around and follow the God that we serve. Hallelujah. And I use that example because we now get to cross over to the New Testament where we have um, John the Baptist, who came in the spirit. If you look at Luke 17, John the Baptist came in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. And what we are going to do is that we are going to look through the scriptures and just speak out certain things about John the Baptist that made him such a faithful an effective witness. First off, let's look at the testimony of the Lord Jesus about John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11, from verse 11. Actually, let's start from verse 7. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitude concerning John, What went ye out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in the king's houses. But what went ye out to see? A prophet, yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there had not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Verse 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. thirteen: For all the prophets and the laws prophesied until John. But if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. So the Lord Jesus confirmed that John, prophet John, was the greatest amongst men. So he did more than... You know, he said, did you go to see a prophet? He said, yes, a prophet and more. Because John the Baptist was not just a prophet. He was a prophet and more. What was the more? The more was that, you know, many other prophets in the scriptures were prophesying of the Messiah. Oh, Isaiah spoke of the Messiah. Psalms spoke of the Messiah. Many Psalms are about the Messiah and all of that. But it was John the Baptist. John the Baptist was not prophesying. John the Baptist was showing that the person that all the prophets had spoken about this is he so in that sense he was greater. every you can imagine if you think of the other prophets like you know you want to get married all the other prophets were like people that were handing out wedding invitations on your behalf you understand say oh this people want to get married please attend like uh benti Sent us wedding invitation uh, this week, and didn't bring the accompanying rice, so I rejected it. (laughs) 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 Hallelujah. Anyway, so the the so the others were like just invitations, invitations. But it was John the Baptist. John the Baptist did more than invitations. John the Baptist did introduction. John the Baptist now said, "All of you, listen. That person that everybody has been prophesying about, here he is." Here is the guy. Here is the guy that Isaiah spoke about. When prophet David was sent the Lord said unto my Lord sit at my right hand. That Lord in question is this guy Jesus here. That was the greatest honor. That's why he later called himself the friend of the bridegroom because it was the greatest honor. There's you know there's nothing more honorable than introducing Christ to a generation and the first person that actually physically did it was John the Baptist. There is no assignment you can do in this world that will still be more honorable, that would ever be more honorable than being someone that God uses to introduce Christ to someone else or to a generation or to a church or to a people or to a friend or to a colleague or to a co-worker. There is The Bible says there is so much joy in heaven over a sinner that repents. But what of the person that God used to turn the sinner to repent? Don't forget, there is no greater honor than to serve Jesus. There is no greater honor than to be sent to speak for him. So if God prompts your heart and says, that person mention jesus to that person you must consider it a very great honor that god is saying that god has chosen you to tell that soul about jesus hallelujah 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 so if you now turn to the book of john chapter one we can see a number of things about a witness and i'm just going to call them like the characteristics of a true witness we'll read a few passages in that place and that will be us done from verse 6 says there was a man this is john chapter 1 from verse 6 there was a man sent from god whose name was john that's the first characteristic so character of a witness a witness is sent from God, you cannot send yourself on her hand, you cannot send yourself as a witness, you cannot be the reason that you are going to witness. God sends witnesses. If you look at John 20, verse 21, the Bible says, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you as my father has sent me even so send i you so a witness has to be sent number 2 if you look at john 115 it says john bear witness of him and cried saying the second character of a witness is that the witness speaks have you seen a court session before where the, what do you call it, the, the lawyers, you know, one of the things they do in the court of law is that after you've argued your case, you will say, well, I need to call a number of witnesses. Have you seen a case where they call a witness and the witness says, actually, I don't feel like talking today, so yeah, I would excuse me, but I don't really feel like I have anything to say to this court of law. What do you think would happen to that witness? The judge will say, My friend, behave yourself. If you still don't behave yourself, then the judge will hold you in contempt of the court and might jail you for two days. Yes, you know, you, know that you can misbehave in the court of law and they actually jail you for a few days to teach you, a few, to teach you lessons. So you, you've not seen a witness that is quiet. So you can't say you're a witness of Christ and you're quiet. You have to speak. Of course, you have to speak as prompted by the Holy Ghost. But you have a witness speaks. At some point, you would speak as part of your errand and the person of witnessing. Of course, you know, one time I was teaching about this whole witnessing thing, and the analogy I gave was, imagine a robbery happened in a shop, and um, they say, they say um they, we are if if there are high witnesses please you know sometimes they say like if, if anybody knows anything please come and please let the police know and you went there and you said um i'm an eyewitness and then the first thing they'll say okay so what did you see imagine if the robbery happened between six and seven and they say my friend so where were you around six or seven you said, actually i got to the scene of the robbery around 7 15. would they still class you as a witness why not or you got there and you say well i actually saw it on tv so i decided to come and say something <laughs> you understand so it means that to be a witness you had to have seen what was going on. If you didn't see, you do not qualify to say, I am a witness. A witness must see. A witness must see. If you check that from verse 15 to 18, it says, John bear witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake, He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Verse 16. And of his fullness have we received grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. If you keep checking throughout the message, the book of John, for example, John 14, you will find that it, it, there, there is a consistency to the message there is always a message for a witness to deliver. You cannot, it is impossible to be a witness if you have no message. What are you witnessing about? What are you supposed to talk about? That's a, a, one of the things I've been hammering over this series is conviction and knowledge. You have to know, what are you actually going to say? If, if Uh, The prime minister said, okay, I'm going to give you 10 minutes to talk about Jesus. What are you going to say? If your friend says, well, Jesus, you have been banging on about, tell me something about it. What are you going to say? Or if a professor of theology who wants to argue with you says, well, tell me about Jesus. What do you say? As a matter of the gospel, we are not called to argue. We are not called to argue. We are called to show forth. We are called to tell people what we hold people is to tell them we don't do the conviction the holy ghost does the convincing we tell them as the holy ghost tells us to tell them hallelujah the next thing if you check from verse 19 it says and this is the record of john when the jews sent priests and levites from jerusalem to ask, who art thou? Verse 20, and he confessed, and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Hath thou Elias? And he said, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, no. In fact, that prophet that they were asking him there was the prophet that when prophet Moses was saying, the prophet like me, God will send You remember that when that prophet was the one they were now asking that, Are you the one that Moses was talking about? He said no. He said twenty two. Then he said then they said unto him, Who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? Verse twenty-three. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet of Elias. A witness is aware of his design by God. As a witness, you have to be aware of who God has made you, of who God has called you. Some people are evangelists. Some people are prophets. Some people are teachers. Some people are pastors. Some people are called into the ministry of helps. But all of those things are all sides to the same Jesus but what that means is that when you are aware of your design by god you are then also made aware of the tools that god has given you to share the gospel you know there are people that the reason they will get saved is because they've watched you and one day they'll just blot it out like what made you like this you understand They've seen human beings and they know normal human beings are selfish. Normal human beings behave a certain way. And they realize that you don't come, you behave completely differently from what they are used to. And they wonder they say, by the way, how did you, sometimes they were say, oh, your parents raised you well. And you'll be like, well, it is true that my parents raised me well, but there's also somebody else, there's another parent that raised me very, very well. And his name, is Jesus. Witnessing comes in different forms. Of course, we do tracks. Sometimes people stumble on videos. People or you never know what somebody will stumble upon and 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 find Jesus. You know, one of my favorite testimonies. Uh, it was a, a pastor friend of mine was telling me that he, so their church distributed tracts in people's houses, and left and like that. So he said one day somebody turned up in church, and they were like, "Oh, who invited you?" And the person said, "Nobody." That what happened was, uh, some months that like one day she just saw the tract through her door, looked at it and dropped it and went away and then i think i, I some months after weeks or months after she had a challenge and she said deep within i was just telling like that tract that they put in your it through your door that day that tract, find those people they can help you so she said she started to turn her house upside down hoping to god that she had not thrown that tract in the recycle. And then she found it. And from there, she found her way to church. And from church, she found the help that she needed. There are, there are different ways God reaches out to people. I remember someone was saying that the person just had a name in their, in, in the, in their dream. They just had a name. It was just a the name they had. And then they woke up and started to look for who this person is and you, you you understand you and then you start looking and god that gave you the name will now arrange somebody who meets you and you will mention the name to the person i know hey, that person or you go on google and then you find the person and then it starts to make sense and then you trace the person and then what you are looking for god gives you god has several ways you no know, somebody was arguing on, i saw on social media recently somebody was arguing that um, how can you be sure that everybody has heard the gospel, that the, um, the person was confident that God, that there are people that will go to hell without ever hearing the gospel? And I said, my friend, you are not big enough to, you know, we human beings, we, we like to make comments that we are not big enough to make or comments that we don't have all the information to make. When you make a statement like that, you must have data that backs you up, yes or no. One of the things that allows God to say the kind of things God says is that God knows everything. But if you don't know everything, you are not in a position to... You have to put caveats on your comment and say things like, as far as... That's why people say, as far as I know. Or they say, in my honest opinion. Because you are putting the caveat that this this thing that is about to come out of my mouth, the boundary is as far as I know. But as far as, as you know. Somebody else might know farther than you know. And that person might draw a different conclusion because they have more knowledge than you. You know? All sorts of things. And so, the, 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 and I said look you don't know how God is reaching people I've heard of testimonies of people being transported to go and minister to somebody else, I've heard testimonies of people that said they God saved because they, they, the Lord Jesus Christ himself appeared unto them They God saved because God sent someone to them, you never know, God is it not God God has ways of reaching people that we don't even know about. God created them So God has a way of reaching them. So we must not draw conclusions beyond what we know. But a true witness has an understanding of who he is. John did not come here. You know, John came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. But John was not Elijah. So when Jesus was saying, if you will take it, this is the Elijah to come. Jesus was not saying that Elijah entered his mother's womb a second time and was born. God was saying that this is someone that's come in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. In fact, if you go through the life of John the Baptist, one of the challenges people had with him was that he did no mighty miracle. Because so I went to, I saying oh, it was Elijah. because kind of like, which Elijah? The Elijah we know from the Old Testament called down fire. The Elijah we know in the Old Testament gave people that were barren children. If that man parted Jordan like it was just a little a little a little gutter of water, and then you say somebody has come with the spirit and the power of Elijah, and he did not do a single miracle. Our own witness must not be like that. We must understand the spirit that we have been given. There is nothing one thing the Lord was teaching me this week. There's nothing the Holy Ghost cannot be to you. Nothing the Holy Ghost is like is it stem cells or what do they call them that they've not differentiated into any specific cell yet and they can eventually those stem cells have the potential to be anything and everything that the baby needs so if the baby gets injured you know that babies actually you know babies send uh, these cells to the mother to help the mother to heal the mother God is so powerful that your babies will make when the baby's in the womb and maybe the mother gets injured, the baby sends cells to actually fix the mother. And so the Holy Spirit can be any anything that we need him to be. It can be wisdom, it can be provision, it can be help, it can be support, it can be knowledge that you do not have. That you'll be wondering where did this come from? He came from the Holy Ghost, but we must know who we are, and we must be aware of how God has designed us. John 1:28. Another characteristics of, of another character of a true witness says these things were done in Bethabra, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. A true witness there has to be a location where has God planted you? Where has God sent you? There is the place where you are planted. There is the place where you function. Sometimes the place where you are planted and the place where you, are, you function are the same place. For example, am I'm, I'm not. Am I a guest minister here? Am I a member of this place? Am I a church member here? Answer. Answer. Am I a church member? I'm a church member, yes or no? Why don't you think I'm a church member? Do you think I'm a church member? Uh, no, no, seriously, do you think I'm a church member? I am a church member. What qualifies me to be the pastor is that I'm a member of this church. You cannot be the... Imagine can you be prime minister if you are not a citizen of a country So your the, your, your basis for being prime minister is because number one you are a citizen First and foremost in some countries they will say you even have to be a natural born citizen Some countries even if you get citizenship by natural by naturalization it doesn't work for them they your birth certificate must say America, I think, for example, you can't be president of America if you were born outside America. You had to be born inside America. So some countries are like that. But the qualification, first and foremost, is that I am a member of this church. And then my role in the church is the role of a pastor. So God is going to judge all of us as members. And then on top of judging us as members, then he's going to judge, look at our works in whatever portion of the place you function the fact that i'm the one standing there doesn't mean god sees me as more important than benji for example you might not see his face standing here but in the presence of god it doesn't mean i am doing a better job than he is and if we have that understanding then we will do whatever god has assigned us to do to the best of our abilities because you will now find out that on judgment day there are church members that become their pastor's bosses in the eyes of God because the little strength they had, they gave everything so don't say oh, uh, God pastor uh, yeah, uh, pastor is, will have the biggest reward if any pastor that thinks like that is going to be shocked you know, I've told the story before of a sound of God that got caught up into the heavens. And God was showing him that. God was basically saying, Prepare my people because the time is at hand. And he and he saw a very beautiful house. I said, like, Oh, whose house is that? And the Lord said, Oh, you know that woman in your in your church that that woman will wake up early in the morning. Maybe the service is by seven. She will come around five. Sweep the entire church by herself. Sweep the church, arrange the church, and run away before people start coming. So she will run back home and then go and shower and get dressed for service. And she will now come like... So you see her coming by 8 o'clock and you think all of us just came to church together. Whereas somebody snuck in by 5.30 to sweep the church and the chairs and everything. I was listening to a servant of God. The servant of God said... Before he became a minister, he didn't even know he was going to be a minister. He was an usher. And he said there were times that they would have vigil in church as ushers. Nobody sent them. They would have vigil in church as ushers. And what they would be doing, would be praying on the chairs and saying, people that will sit on this chair on Sunday, oh, God, they were in, you, know, you know what it means to be doing vigil not for yourself. You are doing vigil for chairs. So they are doing vigil and walking from chair to chair to chair to chair. Saying, oh God, once somebody sits on this chair on Sunday, that's it. Whatever problem they have is taken away. Whatever challenge they have. So pastor will now come and stand there. And when pastor says everybody sit down, somebody's yoke breaks, and the pastor thinks it was his prayer that broke the yoke. <laughs> you know, when we get to heaven, it's going to be so surprising. Some things you would think it was the anointing that was responsible for. It was a member of the church that prayed that God listened to, not, not you. Somebody had come and had done vigil, saying, oh, God, these chairs must be filled. Oh, God, people must come. Oh, God, Vigilo. For years, And he said when they, on Sunday, so when they stand in church on, in, uh, at the door on Sunday, as they are coming, and they are shaking your hand, they are praying in the Holy Ghost. You they shake your hand, you are already catching fire at the door before you even get to sit down. And God looked, God looked, God looked, saw things like that, and the person eventually became a powerful minister of God. The things God looks at are not necessarily the things that we look at we look at the outward performance. Ah, pastor preached fire today. <laughs> Maybe while, while, you are, while you are saying pastor preached fire today, the Holy Spirit is saying, that example you gave was not totally accurate. My, my dear, you lied in church today. So pastor is in the corner, repent and say, please forgive me. You are, you are saying pastor preached fire today. Moses, God said to Moses, "Speak to the rock." Moses said, "Shall we now provide you water out of this rock?" And he went to the rock. Bam, and the Bible says the water gushed out. And while the Israelites were drinking, God said, "Moses, can I talk to you for a second So the stone I said, God said, "Because you didn't honor me before these people, you will not enter Promised Land." Was water not flowing? Were they not drinking? Did they enter Promised Land? And to make sure he was the last of them to die. God made sure that everybody had died. And God now said, Moses, you need to do census. So he went and did census. And he said, say, See, all the people that came out of it, they are dead. And I said, Yes, sir. Okay, fine. Now you need to read them the law again. So he read them the law. When he finished. God said, Now climb the mountain, look at all the wonderful places. Have you seen it? He said, Yes, I've seen it. Now die. And then he died. Yet. <laughs> Water was flowing that day. Water was flowing. God said, Speak to the rock. He smote the rock and water still flowed. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, there are some, ter- some terrible things the Lord said to me. Said, the fact that you are powerfully anointed does not mean that on judgment day, God will still not say, Depart from me, you walk of iniquity. You know, those people said, uh-uh. Lord, in your name we casted out demons, in your name we healed the sick. Did God deny? He didn't deny. You know, the anointing is an investment. Some, the anointing is like God's fidelity. God's, God's saying, okay, I need to send you an errand. I'm going. To, this is the enablement for the errand. So God gives you the anointing to do what God has called you to do. And sometimes people with the anointing keep misbehaving and keep misbehaving. How many times did something misbehave? Before he finally got into trouble. How many times? He would go to prostitutes' house. They would say, Ah, he has entered the city. Let's wait until midnight. Samson, after all his, his, his parting in the, in the house of prostitutes and all that, the Bible says he will chill and wait for the middle of the night. Once it's midnight, he will get up. He will carry the gate and the bar and the pillar and everything. He will carry and go and put on the mountain. The people trying to catch him. When they wake up with the money, their, their preoccupation will be, how, how are we going to remove our gate from the mountain? <laughs> but, and he kept doing it, and he kept doing it. It was until he broke the last strand of the covenant of God with him that he eventually fell. If he never broke that last one, don't drink alcohol. Samson drank. Don't be with strange women. It was just going from pillar to post, just doing business that God did not send All of everything was still, because the the covenant of God with the man is usually multifaceted. So people that know how to do sneaky, what they do is that there there are sides to that covenant that they don't touch. You understand me? There will be sides to the covenant that they will will honor that side. For example, A a pastor friend was telling me that they were having to counsel a sister like that. And sister said, one of our biggest confusions was that she was going out with this, she was befriending this pastor. So our confusion was that the pastor would say, oh, I'm going to minister in that city, and I'm going to be lodging in hotel this, this, this. Here is some money. Book yourself a room in the hotel so she books herself a room in the hotel before the servant of God comes so you people that invited the servant of God when, after you have escorted him to the hotel you, he came alone as far as you are concerned because when the man came he came with his driver alone so you escorted him he got into the hotel and he said "Ah, bye bye my people when you go then he sends the lady a text and says by the way I am in room 205 So the lady leaves her own room, comes to his whole room, and they do their business. She said the part that confused. This is a a friend of mine was telling that the the lady said the part that confused her the most is that when, when they finish doing the business, and she's lying on the bed, a guy will get up. bring out his Bible and start writing. When he finishes, in the evening, they will come and get servant of God for guest, guest minister for service. The man will go to service. She said she'll be, she'll be following and she'll be seeing miracles. And she'll be saying, ah, maybe this thing that we are doing is not that bad though. Because there's, there's, there's miracle. And when When the man comes back from from (laughs) meeting, he needs to relax so they'll do their business again. (laughs) When the people are coming, she'll go to her room and now she needed deliverance because she's confused. That's sometimes what, what usually happens is that (laughs) it's an anointing and it's an investment. And the person that invested will be watching you what you are doing with the investment. But the day he will come and ask and say, that anointing I gave you, I said you should help children you slept with all their children now speak for yourself and then you start say um, Lord I didn't mean it like that it was a weakness the special corner the demons that will beat you they are still they are still doing push-up <laughs> in anticipation of your arrival go help us in Jesus name Another thing about the witness, I'll just tell us a few more, is that the witness as a revelation of the person is witnessing about. That's what you see in John chapter 1, verses 29 to 34. And the next day, John seen Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh the man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. Verse 31. And I knew him not, but that he, sh- he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and abode upon him, and I knew him not. Listen carefully. He said, But he that sent me to baptize with water. The same said to me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. You have to have a revelation of the God you are witnessing about. What personal revelation of Jesus do you know? You are. when have you prayed and his answered? When have you asked and he has done? When have you said, God reveal yourself to me and he did? Those are your evidences of the God you serve. If you read John chapter 10 verse 30 quickly Oh, sorry. I went to ask them. John 10 verse 30 the Lord was speaking here and he was saying, He basically said, I and my father are one. There are other passages. For example, you look at Second Peter chapter one, verse 16. I want us to read this once so it puts a conviction in our spirit. Second Peter 1 16. It says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were high witnesses. Of his majesty, they had a revelation of Jesus. Second Timothy two talks about the things that you have learned of Peter Paul saying the things that I've let Timothy learnt of him. He should commit to faithful men. You have to have that revelation, you have to know. There is one that I actually want to read to you, Galatians chapter one, verse eleven. It says, But I certify you, brethren that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Verse 12, For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. There has to be that revelation of Jesus Christ that we have, that we are able to draw on to speak for him. In 1 Corinthians 11 verse 23 it says, for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. So there must be something that comes from God to you that you are now able to give to others there has to be that flow all we have as a witness is that we are a conduit we are conducting from god to others we are condu- if you are, if you when i'm saying witnessing don't think of it as preaching the gospel alone if you witness you say i am a wit if you say the god i serve is a healer Then what that means is that there must must be an evidence of healing that you can draw on and say, my God did this, my God did that, my God healed that person. My God that healed me can heal you. Same way you say, my God that provided for me can provide for you. My God that did this for me. My God has done this before. You point to evidences in scripture. You point to your personal experiences. Many times, your personal experience is so weighty because it demonstrates that the God that did it for those people is still active now. You've heard some people say that divine healing ended with the apostles, that there are no more apostles. All sorts of things, but the proof, the, the, apart from the fact that you dispute those things by scriptures, you also point to physical evidence of what, or to show that that claim they are making is not right. For example, people read the scriptures and interpret that according to the Bible, according to Apostle Paul, women must not be ministers, women must not preach. Apart from the fact that we can spend time disputing that in the Bible, of which I'm not going to do, but you can also point to women ministers that God is doing powerful things through. Except you are saying that so, 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 and so is ministering by Beelzebul. Except you say that when mommy stands up to teach or any female stands here to teach, they are teaching by the spirit of the devil. Except you say Amy MacPherson was demonic. Except you come and tell us that Catherine Kuhlman <laughs> was powered by the devil. If you cannot do that, don't turn around and say because this is the thing if you see physical experiences that seem to contradict your understanding of scriptures, before you start going around, make sure that it is not your understanding of scriptures that is not inaccurate. Because many, many times, it's in the interpretation of scriptures and in taking it out of context that people arrive at conclusions that God never meant. And then they go around and say, God doesn't do this. Did he come to your house to tell you he doesn't do this anymore? Did he write in the Bible that he doesn't do this anymore? There is a reason the book of hearts of the apostles did not finish. Because there are other apostles that are still coming to write their own part of it. And the scriptures tell us that they without us. What does the Bible say? They without us. Exactly. So if we are needed, if they need all these apostles, Paul and John and Philip, and if they need us to be perfect, then God considers us the same way he considers them you might be like no way yes way you understand me yes way The, the potential that you have is the same potential that Apostle Paul had same Jesus that died for Apostle Peter died for you too and there is nothing that God did through those people that he cannot do through you the question is how yielded are you don't come and tell me it's because I'm not a prophet. No, your qualification is that you are a child of God. And if you grow from child of God to son of God indeed, then one of the marks of sonship is that you, you are put in custody of certain things. So in, as, you be, as we grow in sonship, we will end up being in custody of mysteries and abilities and powers of God. So there's nothing the apostles in those days had. Apostle Paul never met the Lord Jesus physically. How come he wasn't one of the twelve that wrote two thoughts of the New Testament? You can't say they weren't educated. Matthew was, was a tax collector. Judas was a professional accountant. There were a bunch of fishermen among them, granted. But even the fishermen wrote something. Did they not? Even the fishermen wrote things. Did Peter not write things? The gospel of Mark was based on on Peter's accounts to Mark. So you are talking of Mark, you are talking of first Peter, second Peter. Peter also wrote things. Yet, it was somebody that didn't see the Lord Jesus. And God did that to show that even though we we also didn't see the Lord Jesus physically, yet there is no limit to our our possibilities and the ability to witness of his majesty. So that the person, (laughs) the things that the Lord was saying, ah, there are many things I need to tell you now, but you cannot bear them. The person God now revealed those things to was not even there when Jesus was saying it. Paul was the, they had bundled him up to somebody now to be learning under Gamaliel and be, and be learning the law and become a, a, twice the son of devil than, than the Pharisees that sent him. But when God was ready, God went to collect him. And he wrote things that even those that saw Jesus physically they could not understand. How come he understood? You now I was telling us that one of the things was that he spoke in tongues more than everybody else. That man. And there was a tenacity that was in ne- him. There was a never say never attitude. You know, many times you read the writings of Apostle Paul, and you see you what you are seeing is the is not the punchiness of the man. It is the forcefulness of the Holy Ghost in putting the message through. That's why they said that. They, you know, so one, one of the churches said, "Well, um, the his speech." carries so much weight, but his appearance is contemptible. When he's here, he looks like a weakling. Did that weighty letter come out of this thing? So it wasn't the man. It was the Holy Ghost in the man. And if it was the Holy Ghost in the man, it's also the Holy Ghost in in you. And if the same Holy Ghost is in you, there is nothing you cannot do. Hallelujah. And I think uh, two more things. Verse 31 speaks of the fact that there there is growth a a witness grows in knowledge it's it's okay that you might not know everything now there's nobody that there's no one that can say that they know everything of God you might have been working with God for 50 years you still don't know God completely every time you say oh I've got you now God that's when you lose him you cannot get to that. What you can get to is that you get to a point where you have, you have mastery of the principles of God that you know. So you know how to operate God's laws, you know how to operate God's principles, but God the person there would always be layers to God, to the, uh, God the person that you will yet be discovering and discovering and discovering until you meet him. And also, a, a, a faithful witness funnels men to God to Christ, and not to himself. That John that we've been reading, verse 35 to 37. <clears throat> Again the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking unto Jesus as he walked, they said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and said to them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being master, where dwelleth thou. The, the, even at the expense of him losing followers, and this is where I'm closing now. At the expense of him losing followers, John never stopped pointing men to Jesus. The most important was Jesus. Hey, um, we are baptized, we are look that guy right there is the person i came to introduce to you if you still stay here too bad for you but jesus is the reason why i have been baptizing with water like a placeholder just waiting waiting for the real person to come now the owner has come is him every faithful witness you never make it about yourself in fact a faithful witness should always seek to hide behind the cross so that even though you have brought people, it is not you they see; it is Jesus they see. And anything we do that makes it difficult for men to see Jesus, we are fight, we are putting in ourselves in a position for Jesus to fight us. Jesus would not let you stand between Him and the people He died for. Whether you're a pastor, whether you're a church member, you must never forget: Jesus will not let you stand between him and the people he died for so whether it is by your behavior that you are impeding other people whether it is by things you should do that you are not doing or the things that you should not be doing that you are doing whether it is your conduct that is not right in the presence of god just don't forget you can do whatever you want but don't forget that god will not watch you stand between him and the people he died for what did jesus say about you he said if any of you offend these children let me let you know. It is better for them to have tied a stone around your neck and thrown you in the sea. You know what that means? You know, they will tie a stone around your neck, throw you in the sea, so that there is no chance of you floating, so that you will sink to the bottom. And Jesus was saying, that would be better than to cause any of these children to stumble. So, especially when God sets us before men, it, <coughs> We must not do anything that it will be the reason that somebody stumbles. Apostle Paul was later expanding on this. As far as he's concerned, he's convinced by Jesus that everything is eatable, everything is fine, everything is lawful. Once you bless it, it's good. But then he later said that if it is your own meat eating that causes somebody else to offend, are you going to let somebody that Jesus died for go to hell because of your insistence on meat? Are you going to let Jesus die? Uh, someone just died for stumble because you are inflexible about certain things. If that is what you do, just know that you are putting yourself in a position where God will fight you for the sake of those souls. So you start to see uh, people that men will think that they stand for Jesus and all that. Watch, watch as the days go by. Sometimes when when some of these big issues just fly up in the church, maybe a scandal or something like that happened, on one hand, you, you will be sad because it's a reputational it's a, it's a damage. On the other hand, Jesus is not that bothered because one of the things that happens with things like that is the liberation of the people that that person is sitting on. So God then causes a migration of those people from that place somewhere else. So it is not every scandal that is a bargain. Some of them, it is the handwritten of God. It is God himself that is removing the shepherd because the shepherd has been fleecing the flock instead of fighting for them. So as a faithful witness, we might, it might be in your speaking, it might just be in your behavior before men. Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. I can men look at us and say this person is different? Can co-workers look at you and say we might not even be able to define what it is. Maybe they've not even had a conversation with you, so they can't even point to what is making what has made you that way. But they look at you and say this guy is not like one of us. There is something about this lady that we might not we can't figure it out yet, but she's She's different. So that if they want to... You know, Daniel, (laughs) they knew that the only way to trap Daniel ever was in the matter of his God. One. Number two was that they knew that this man was so serious about his God that he would not miss a shadow. So even when they... Bible says that when Daniel knew they had passed the law, he went home, opened his window towards Jerusalem. He, you know, you know some, some people will come to there and say, wisdom demands that you pray that prayer with your window closed. Some people will say, wisdom demands that you, maybe don't, don't say it out loud. If you close the door, <laughs> if you close the door and close the window, nobody will know that you are praying. But if Daniel had done that, would you be reading of the testimony of deliverance from the lions? How would you know God delivers from lions? If if Daniel had said, let's just, God, you know you can hear my heart. I'll just be praying on the inside. The greatest deliverances of God will come when men make take the greatest risks for God. You want great deliverance, get ready to stake your neck for God. Look at all the great deliverances in the Bible the opposite of that deliverance would have been catastrophic. The three Hebrew boys. What would have happened if Jesus didn't turn up? I would burn them like chicken. What would have happened if Daniel, if if God didn't stop the mouth of the lions? They would have had him for dinner. So you will see that at the back end of the great deliverances, there are great steps of faith. You want to break into powerful realms with God, you will do unusual things. You will pray more than the average person. You will study scriptures more than the average person. Your schedule with the Bible, people will think you are mad. And the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. But what happens is that when you have laid all those things on the line, a day now comes like the day that Peter and and john were going to the temple the bible says they didn't go to they weren't going to preach bible says they were going to pray it was the hour of prayer in acts chapter 3 and while they were going then they met the man at the beautiful gate. the same the bible says they've always been bringing that person there so jesus had been walking right past that guy and jesus did not heal him because every time jesus walked by jesus that one is peter and john's problem they just don't know it yet the day they know it they will do something about. It. so that day jesus had left now now peter and john were going to pray you know it was like john was following peter everywhere until peter died until god separated them it was always john following peter because he was the youngest following the the, the grandpa of the movement and all of things like that and then they met the man and the bible says he said look at us and looked at them hoping to receive money and peter said look silver and gold have I not, but what I have—that means, in Peter knew that he had an account with God, that he could withdraw from, and he had no problem with. Yeah. So you understand? It's because he knew God that well. He knew what he had received from God that he could say but what I have. That is the definition of a witness. You know what you have and you know how to draw on what you have. Silver, I don't have. Gold, I don't have. But what I have, I give to you. You know what you have. You know you can give what you have. That is the conviction that bears fruit in faithful witnessing. What happened to that man? The Bible says it was undeniable because everybody knew that that man was crippled indeed. The, the, the summary of faithful witnessing is that men, like they did in First Kings 18, the Bible says the people bowed and said, the Lord is God. That even the most wicked of men will come and say, the Lord is God. Bow down your heads this morning. The Lord is God. That even the harshest critics of Jesus will come and say, The Lord is God. The Lord is God. Speak to the Lord. That what you will get to that point as a faithful witness. That men, whether they care about church or they don't care about church, their testimony about you will be The Lord is Is God Thank you Lord Jesus Thank you Lord Jesus Thank you Lord Jesus Thank you Lord Jesus